I was contemplating doing a traditional Navi greeting, but uh, Kyle, yeah. I see, I see you. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. It's like I see you. I, I see you. I, I see you. No, not just I look at you. I I see you. I see you. Movie Court. All right, welcome to Movie Court. On today's episode, we will be deciding the fate of 2009's Avatar. This will mark the second James Cameron movie we've debated in this courtroom. And as always, our prosecutor on one side of the aisle, Steve Kruger. Say hello, Steve. Hello, Steve. On the other side, our defense attorney, Kyle Bornheimer. Say hello, Kyle. Uh, hi, folks. Uh, look, I, this is one of the few movies I, I do not have to do a rundown of the plot of this movie. It's the biggest movie of all time, the highest grossing film of all time. I don't have the numbers in front of me. It made over a billion dollars or something, right? It was a big old movie in 2009 and remains at the top of the heap for six years. It's still the number one movie of all time. This is the most beloved movie on the planet, apparently. Yeah, but look out, Avatar, because Pan is coming for you. Oh, wait, no. Now this is not evergreen, this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, so yeah, I don't have much to say about this one in terms of the rundown of it. So let's run into our opening statements. Let's start with our prosecutor. Since you are bringing this movie up for trial, you're on, sir. Is that me? (laughs) We do this every time. Just remember this. Prosecutor. I still don't know if I'm the prosecutor or the defense attorney. No, not not tr- not this is not a bit. I still don't understand the rules of this game. You have a team. Well, here's what's important. You have a team of US marshals led by Tommy Lee Jones who are on the hunt for movies that are fugitives from justice and Right. You're Kevin Bacon and I'm Tom Cruise. <laughs> in what? You're in Footloose? In few, <laughs> in few good men. The Footloose fugitive has Tom Cruise ever danced in a movie? Risky business. He made his and name cocktail. dancing. Oh, by the way, cocktail has to, let's as a society decide cocktail is, needs to graduate to midnight movie status. I had to reference that movie for the show the other day, and I got into a just an amazing YouTube hour or so doing clips from cocktail. First of all, do you know that the bar in cocktail, do you want to know what the name of his bar that he opens is? Oh, my God. Please tell me. Flanagan's Cocktails and Dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Holy um, shit. It's the first That's time amazing. he and Brian Brown really, really do their thing is to uh, the hippie hippie shake. Yes, I do remember um, He's a poet. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that Tom Cruise is a poet in that movie. He's the la- He calls himself the last barman poet. Oh, it is glorious. And by the way, Cruz totally commits to the physicality of it, as he always does. He is the best physical actor. I've said this before. He never phones in a. He's never phoned in a performance, a moment in his whole life, which is very admirable. Even when he's on a phone, he's not phoning it in. He's like no. no even no, no, when he's no, on I, the I, phone, it's the most. It's just the most physicalized phone conversation. Actually, yeah. Look at like Mission Impossible. They're all dead. Well, look um, at Jerry Maguire. He's jumping around on a on a. You know, a so much phone, phone. work. So yeah, he's actually nailing. He's actually quite good at the cocktail thinging. Well, there's an NYU class devoted just to the phone acting stylings of Tom Cruise. It's a it's a graduate program. Oh, the other one that uh, oh damn it, what was I? Oh, Pretty in Pink. Here, and we're going to take another tangent real quick into Pretty in Pink. Has either of you watched Pretty in Pink recently? No. Yes. Okay. Do you know the story of the ending of that movie and how they had to change it? Yes. Okay. Now, knowing that, <laughs> it's hilarious to watch that movie because, A, for 75% of it, you can see the writing is totally geared toward Ducky ending up with Molly Ringwald. And then it yes. gets to the prom, 
and you, you can tell it's six months later. Andrew McCarthy has just been edited, dropped into the prom. He's wearing a bad wig. It is the most like haphazard shifting of an ending I've ever seen. It's kind of awesome because basically he just steps up and says, I "Guess what? I was a dick. Take me." And and Molly Ringwald's like, "Okay." <laughs> John Hughes, did he write and direct it? He wrote it, but he did not direct it. Okay, so um, let's pick up where we left off before we took our fascinating tangents into Pretty in Pink and Cocktail. Steve, let me hear your opening statements against Avatar. Against the movie Avatar. I would like to open with an anecdote, if that is uh, permissible in said um, court here. Uh, I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Well, I really wasn't asking for your permission, but okay. Well, I'm the judge. I can tell that that's how this works. Well, the anecdote is it, it's it's my entry into this movie, and it was years ago. I was uh, working in a uh, writer's room, breaking a series for um, Verizon. You know, you know that big hit show that you watched on your phone. It was called "Can You Hear Me Now," yeah. and uh, it got kind of honed down into just an ad. No, it was a show that never went anywhere. But I got paid to sit in a room with a bunch of high-priced television writers and screenwriters. And this woman came in for a day, and we started talking, and she said she's writing a movie with James Cameron. And she said, I write all day, and he writes all night, and it was difficult to be in the same room at the same time. And I remember stopping and thinking to myself, James Cameron writes? Well, sort of. I mean, he's really broad, he's really obvious, and he steals things. And I would encourage anyone listening to this to stop right now and look it up. Look up James Cameron lawsuit, James Cameron steals. The Terminator was sued by someone who wrote a short story and also by someone who wrote episodes of The Outer Limits. Um, the Titanic was stolen from apparently a real ship accident. This sounds um, like hearsay, hearsay. I don't know if I can allow hearsay in my courtroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I should be saying that. Objection, hearsay. This is my opening statement. I can say whatever I want. Remember, we have a context issue in here. We're, we're, Steve's always are you can't argue context. The context that this movie was stolen. This is my opening. St- I am I am I am creating a, a, an environment in which to to get to my point. But just <laughs> saying that that I I met someone who basically was writing Avatar with James Cameron, not credited, so I mm. won't say her name. But I thought, oh yeah, he's a writer, but he's not. He is a thief. Yes, he. You know, he did steal the plot for Avatar. He stole it from Dances with Wolves, actually. Yeah, and Lawrence of Arabia. I, 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 I am supposing that that Cameron has never had an original idea in his head. That he's a technician and a brilliant one, but not a storyteller. He is uh, no master filmmaker. He's a scientist, and he synthesized stories from other established ideas. This movie is stolen from other movies. While it is technically stunning, its bones are contraband, and it should go to jail. <laughs> For conceptual thievery. Ooh, nice. That's a that's a good ground to start your argument on. I like it. I cede the floor to the, <laughs> the gentleman from South Carolina. <laughs> Somebody's been watching <laughs> debates. Uh, okay, well, the prosecution rests, um, and let's move over to the defense attorney, Kyle Bornheimer. Your opening statement, sir. Well, I would like to first file a motion for dismissal on the grounds that this film should only be judged in a very specific state, which is... A 3D big screen experience on opening night. Viewing this on DVD or iTunes years later. I watched it on Laserdisc. Um, I, I think it, it was I, amazing. It's like, you know, telling me how Woodstock was. 
you have to kind of be at Woodstock. So can I, is, am I allowed to do that? Is there any, will that fly in this court? Can well, I, it's interesting. Uh, I thought about making a, a, a rule here in the courtroom that the defense could not argue for this movie based on the 3D visuals and that the prosecution could not argue against this movie based on its story. So now go. Really? (laughs) (laughs) Well, then I guess that brings me to my closing statements. Let's Um, talk about the acting. It sucked. The end. Well, I mean, this is the second, Ryan, you mentioned this is the second Cameron case brought to trial for me to defend. I think he's a fun director to talk about and a fun one to debate because as much as I like him, and I I am truly a fan, I consider him one of my favorite action directors and certainly one of my favorite event movie directors, but there are other people that aren't as on board with Cameron as I am, and I can... I can sometimes see their side of things. Before we discussed Aliens by Cameron, I remembered being a little nervous. Uh, I, I was I was nervous, guys. There was uh, <laughs> he was actually, shaking. I could that, see he was visibly yeah. shaking in the courtroom and sweating. <laughs> I guess my point is, I have been nervous leading up to Cameron's stuff, and Avatar, as it turns out, is proves to be one of my biggest challenges. There's a dumbness to this movie that is hard to get past, and um, but sometimes, and only movies can do this. The dumbness often doesn't matter because there are plenty of non-dumb, spectacular feats of cinema going on in this epic. There are every obvious... trial. Every trial coins a, a phrase from Kyle, and today's is non-dumb. There's some non-dumb, non-dumb yes. <laughs> elements to this. non-dumb I'm epic dumb. event movie. Um, so yeah, this was a fun one to look at. I look forward to mounting you, Steve, or mounting a case, Steve. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn it! I actually genuinely laughed at that. How dare you! All right, Steve, what else you got? Well, I'd also like to acknowledge to the court that I foolishly watched the quote extended cut. Oh, Jesus! Or as I like as, as I like to call it, the oh shit, this is endless cut. It is just <laughs> how long is that it, cut? I I don't know. It had more crap on Earth with him in the wheelchair. Also. I would like to ask the question of the of the universe of this film that they can travel through space and put your body into an avatar of an alien being, but they don't they don't have like some sort of space wheelchair or something. Well, why don't they have um, cures for spinal injuries at that point, right? Well, they they covered that up. They they could fix his legs, but he didn't have the money because he was. I oh, know. I believe right. that. I believe in it. You know, hey, that's where we're going right now. Only the rich can afford treatment. That's. I mean, we're not even that far from that. Oh so, my god! Point for Cameron. <laughs> You know you're in trouble with a movie when it opens up with about 35 minutes of voiceover. It just it's him talking and talking and talking. And it's it's the sign I and I believe objection this, good fellas. Only Scorsese can pull off voiceover. Which also if you watch if you pay attention to um I, I, is it Goodfellas or is it Casino where they shift voiceovers? They have other people. Casino. Which I think is brilliant. This movie, I, just give me anyone else. I want to hear what Giovanni Ribisi is thinking for one scene. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so... God, do we? <laughs> and also, I'd like to jump forward to him. I, I know those listening probably have not sat through this movie because it is too painful. But um, James Cameron definitely has this weird fetish for hiring the absolute wrong actor to be your heavy. He's right up there with Paul Reiser. He he looks he looks like he should be folding clothes at, at at a Banana Republic. Like he does not he does not telegraph the bad guy. It's so it's so odd this is the choices that he makes. But yes, the uh, the uh, exposition in this film that video log that he he talks to camera and basically clunkily tells you what he's thinking and what's going on. It it just takes me out of the uh, it takes me out of the movie and uh, okay. In the young adult novel world, 
they go for obviousness. You know, uh, the Mockingjay in The Hunger Games. Like, it's so on the nose. But that's a young adult. That's for early readers of books. This is supposed to be like an adult movie. And you call the shit they're looking for unobtainium. I mean, that's like... that's <laughs> Well, you, you got in a lot of trouble for like, that, but it's actually, there is an actual substance called unobtainium. I don't care. That's something that you like. You say in a meeting, you're like, "We'll come." Just that's that's temporary. We'll come up with something better. That's the that's as they like to say in the writers' room. This is the dumb version. In in the, in defense of the voiceover, you know, when you have Sam Worthington, boy, you wanna you really wanna maximize his on screen charisma, don't you guys? By in now, let me every ask you a question, it's, and it's a, it's a regional question, but is he of Worthington Ford down on the 405 there in L.A.? <laughs> is, is that the same Worthington? Because I think he does Saturday morning, come on down to Worthington Ford where the 405 and the and the 110 meet. Blah, blah, blah. Like, is, is that the same Sam Worthington? No, because that guy has charisma. Because he, he sells a mighty fine F-150, but he cannot act to save it's his life. It's just him and Jai Courtney now battling it out for every role in Hollywood, and it's a battle to the bottom. It's a- he has the charisma of... Of a, of a moist Trisket. It's just like, <laughs> uh, what? His acting style is taupe. Put Bill Paxton's character from Alien in there. That would be a better Jack oh Sully. Oh, yeah, that's amazing. Oh, yeah. man, I'm a great big blue fucker, man. Game over, man. Mm-hmm. Worthington is now counting his lucky stars that there's now three more of these damn things in the pipeline because that's about all he's got going on. Kyle, <laughs> did, would you like to bring up your, your next point? Uh, well, first of all, as I said with Paul Reiser, which again, it's it, with that it was you you were you know you're watching a cool action sci-fi movie, you see Sigourney Weaver's name, you see Bill Paxton's name, you see Michael Bean, and then you see Paul Reiser, and it sort of takes you out a little bit. But Paul Reiser is not miscasting aliens because he's supposed to be that. And Cameron has a thing, and and I think Rabisi serves the same purpose. I will not argue that anything that comes out of his mouth that was scripted was uh, interesting dialogue because I, I will I will cop to the fact that this is probably Cameron's worst script. But Cameron has plenty of other special gifts and he has a special gift that isn't talked about or I, I didn't really kind of clue into sort of articulating until I was watching this again. But, you know, he's obviously a gifted action scene director. And, 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 and uh, although I will admit going into this again, I was hard pressed to recall a memorable isolated action set piece with well there was the there was the cool scene at the end there's a lot of images that stick with me even uh for years now that have stuck with me but the the scene with the mech suit at the end is a pretty amazing action the, sequence yeah the 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 end is is a, a big point to make of why, why this movie is, is salvageable but but what struck me when i when i saw it the first time and again in watching it this time was this kind of under talked about gift of Cameron's and that is this gift of immersion the way you you feel immersed in Cameron's movies it's a tricky thing to do Spielberg had it in the 70s and 80s Kubrick certainly had it a little bit David Lynch some of his movies where you are a Cameron film starts and you are in it the theater walls go away and you're just immersed in its bigness and its epicness uh, because of how seriously and, and and lovingly he takes his craft you can't ignore you're experiencing something that someone worked really hard on and and well his... you know you're in good hands too he's one of the few uh the only other one i can think of offhand is spielberg he's not as talented a storyteller or as nuanced as spielberg but they are both filmmakers who you're in good hands when you're when you sit down to watch one of their movies well right and right and and, and you had mentioned just the the balls it takes to to do a movie like this i mean he this was what 12 years after t- he had, he had just made 
or not just, but he had made the biggest movie in the world, Titanic. And and to self-promote the confidence to 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 wrangle and bring home the epic scale of this and to promise so much and and to even try to deliver. <laughs> I love that he made the biggest movie of all time, then took 10 years off and then made a movie that was bigger than the biggest movie of all time. That is that is some balls. Yeah, and the, this idea of immersion. I mean, I remember when T two started, and it was before I had really had a strong opinion on Cameron. I was whatever, six, fifteen years old. Just the moment that movie started, knowing that I was in, I, I just remember like almost sweating after the two and a half hours of that movie. This almost being like I I had experienced something. He drives it home even more now because he is using this new three D technology. So immersion is almost the point of this. And there, like I said, there was an audible awe for that that when that first three D shot came up, and that the second amazing shot. When is they're they're looking down the the sort of corridor? Uh, Your Honor, Your Honor, that was people saying, "Ah, oh, this movie's going to be really long and boring." <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what's thought. interesting because that was people pissing in their pants because they couldn't hold it any longer. You're you're immersed in it immediately. I mean, that bubble comes up, and then it it, it truly is. What I think else what would it, you be immersed in? You're watching a movie. You're not going to be immersed in macaroni and cheese. You're watching. I, I, Ooh, I, that sounds amazing. The second shot when they're looking down the corridor and those floating nurses and doctors are getting. The, I think that's one of the great shots in film history. I really do, and I think it announces a new form of 3D. I think it's it's a spectacular shot that that. And for the first 20 minutes of this movie, before. You start to realize, uh oh, we might, you know, some of Cameron's clunky dialogue is on display. Uh, you know, the movie after about 20 minutes of this spectacular imagery settles into a, this may be an exciting movie, but will it be a good movie territory? Well, there was, <laughs> there is that element to any James Cameron movie that when it starts and the visuals start, you're like, oh, amazing. I'm, this is such a James Cameron movie. And then the characters open their mouths and you're like, oh, shit, this is such a James Cameron movie. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and Titanic and T2 and, and, uh, and uh, The Abyss, which I don't remember The Abyss having that clunky of dialogue, actually, kind of, but. Those movies make up for it in so many different ways. And this one, when he reimmerses us, reimmerses, is that a real word? I've, I've now sure. coined, coined two new words. Coining another um, phrase. Uh, hey, that word is inobtainium. When it gives, <laughs> that is a <laughs> non dumb term. Non obtainium. Um, but yeah, when he re- then, can't, then wait, can't get like, wasn't available. You realize, oh, Giovanni Ribisi's character, you realize, oh, we're in kind of a uh, maybe not a great story. Um, but then hey guys, he gets into the jungle scenes. Hey guys, can we go get that, and, uh, that special stuff from the people? Hey, I'm Giovanni. <laughs> uh, I'm it's a Scientologist, so but it's cool, man. Well, you know, here's you guys, both of you are guilty of this. I, I, I point both my fingers at both of you for saying this was the biggest movie of all time. God, you, what happened to your other eight fingers? <laughs> I'm doing an eight-finger man tug, but that's a separate thing, and it's not what you think it is. But... You guys keep saying the biggest movie in the world or of all time. And do you know what the the top-selling beer on Earth is? Bud Light. Now, no one likes Objection. Bud I Light. Objection. I have not made my argument based on the popularity I, of But movie. I've heard nothing about uh, this, is, this is an important movie because it was such a big movie. Well, that was my question. Bud Light of movies. My question was, I was actually using that to make a point about this movie in terms of do people really like it. It is financially the biggest movie of all time but i do I've people never really like s- bud light do they sit around and drink bud light and say this is a delicious lager with l- limited calories i i am enjoying this there's no <laughs> i rest, there's I rest no my case. food analogy that works for movies like this and i'll tell you why because james cameron can make a shitty movie but have such great craft still on display i mean one of the great things about this movie is if you take a, we've talked about just turning the sound off, although you'd miss the really kind of wonderful James Horner score. It's actually a really good score. Um, 
this yes, the stuff that comes out of their mouths, the the story is is a, a bad dance with wolves knockoff, but it actually moves really well as an epic. I was the the story thrust works. It was never mangled. The guy knows how to tell a story. He knows how to keep a a story moving e- even within a three hour epic. He knows how to keep you engaged. I would I would doubt that. And and then he has with this this spectacle around it, this amazing use of three D, and it really is. Amazing use of 3D. It's it's him announcing this new form, this new technique. He knew that it was about depth and and I spectacle, and then he agree. uses the colors. His movie you know. is in three dimension, but his characters are in one. <laughs> Steve, you say you're a big fan of 3D movies when you were a kid. So what is that? Le- you saw like Jaws 3D or or Friday the Thirteenth? Just anything 3D? like that 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 Molly Ringwald one where there's ice pirates or something. Like I, I would God. watch pieces of crap. If they were in 3D, I loved even those 50s ones, those black and white, you know, creature from the Black Lagoon. I think it's great. And I I, I have seen great 3D since this uh, atrocity. I think Coraline really used 3D to great effect. I, I, I don't I don't think it's a gimmick. I think Jim Jim Cameron or to his friends, uh, Mr. Cameron does not know how to tell a story by himself. He has to steal from other people. He, he does not have an original idea in his head. And that alone is why this movie I should be I, put Objection down. on the grounds of uh, he's made... Uh, yeah, I, I don't quite understand that argument. I, I, I don't know this whole theft uh, thing about it. I, I have to admit, I, I, I maybe have heard rumblings of it. It's, and it's also a strange thing to hold your... In- to balance your entire case on, but it'll also bring us into well. Uh, it's in in addition to the fact that this script is horrible, it is clunky. Um, I disagree with Kyle. I think the movie starts and stops. All of a sudden, they jumps ahead in time. Then yeah, but you watched the four later. hour director's cut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, I, again, I, you're I a watched James you Cameron's really assistant cut. I, I don't even know if it's a director's cut. <laughs> I find the movie to not be epic. I find it to be uh, start and stop. It, it, there are great sequences in it uh, when they uh, put their their uh, poop holes together and bond with the horse or whatever the fuck that was. I mean, it, it, it's it, it just it for its epicness. It it needed something bigger. And as I as I've said often, I wish most of these crappy movies would just become. Fury Road. I, I wish this had become a Marvel movie. I wanted to see the Hulk running around in there and maybe, uh, you know, uh, the guy that shoots arrows and maybe he switches sides. Just something. I, it, it, Josh Whedon should have made this movie. He would, he would have put some humor in it. It would have been more enjoyable and it would have been under nine hours. Um, and I also like to say the Tree of Souls, that thing at the end that they hook up to. I saw them at Coachella. They were terrible. That was that was pretty bad. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Um, I, I want to bring up the... Uh, yeah, have you heard of the Pizza of Souls? That was the uh, that was the Nightmare on Elm Street movie. I think it was the Rennie Harlan one where all the souls of the kids that Freddy had killed pop up in a pizza, which is kind of amazing. I'm already more interested than this movie. I, I, would, I, would, I would pay to see that in the third dimension. It is one of those movies, if you were at a bar and the sound was off, you could stare at it pretty drunk and enjoy yourself. Oh, it's it, 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 it's got great color. It's got great optics, as I said. But once you start listening to what those people are saying... Well, yeah, I mean, real boy. quickly, I mean, it, I've talked about how immersed you feel at the beginning of this movie and then the, the story starts. And, and like I, I will totally cop to that uh, this is probably his worst script that he's had. But once he starts the... The forest stuff. His vision for what he wanted to do with 3D 
is is spectacular and on uh, and Kruger I think you even mentioned that you love the colors of this movie you love what he was how he was showcasing 3D in some ways this isn't a movie it's more of an exercise it's him announcing this 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 new form this new way of of showing on screen imagery and th- those those colors the way that he has them climbing on these you know running on the these limbs of these huge trees and then you can see you know for looks like miles of other limbs he knew what 3D could be with the depth of it and you can't deny the spectacle i don't know if you guys remember like the stories of people who like had Avatar syndrome that they they were like going to therapists after this movie and wanting to live in Avatar. Oh, that's amazing! Yeah, yeah, they wanted to live in Pandora. So it's and then you know Ryan, you also talked about the last action scene piece. Once the final siege starts, I was at home and at ease in Cameron's capable action spectacle hands. I love the way he directs action. That mech suit at the end, the fight between them, the suspense, and the cutting back between the real life uh, character and the Avatar and. and and all that, the flying scene, uh, which was a few years before How to Train Your Dragon, is is magnificently done. So there are there are plenty of things to hold on to, outside of of the really amateurry, immature story he tells in it. All right. Well, let's move into our closing arguments. Since Steve has brought this up for prosecution, he will have the opening closing arguments. <laughs> Steve's closing arguments will begin now. In in closing, I would like to say that this pile of crap called Avatar, should just go away. And not for ushering an era of endless 3D films, I don't fault it for that, and not for emboldening emboldening a Hollywood sociopath, James Cameron, but for the fact that it's the sum of other scripts, ideas, and films. While uh, while Tarantino does a cut and paste of the movies he loves, paying homage to the inspiration, Cameron is a lowlife thief who literally steals from the creative and calls its own. This is his Waterloo or Water Blue. Yes, I know. Puns fucking suck, and so does this movie. All right, very good. Well, let's move over to the defense closing arguments. You know, Cameron, who spent years making this movie and put such a great deal of energy into the inventing the technology for it, basically, such a huge amount of energy into those forest scenes, into those the, the the glowing spectacle that it is, and as well as the uh, the what is not facial recognition, but what's that technique when you put all the shit on people's bodies, like the motion capture and performance you know, capture. Actually, perf- actors yeah. get very offended. You can't call it motion perf- capture; it's right, performance. Right. Uh, um, and as well as the performance capture, which he he really uh, up to the game in the performance capture technology. So. The fact that he was putting all his energy into that and not just like one scene, you know, where like the beginning of Wizard of Oz. I'm not ragging on Wizard of Oz, but OK, that this will be the scene when we show all this color. He the whole movie is filled with different set pieces showcasing this 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 3D. It's like I said earlier, it's kind of more of an exercise than a movie. Like many technologies or movements or advances in the medium, 3D is bound to be misused and improperly co-opted by by studios. There was a quick movement after this to retrofit movies into the 3D form, and there have been many bad 3D movies. But look at who became interested in 3D after this. Scorsese, Ang Lee, Zemeckis. Like I said, Gravity, I think, is is one of the best 3D experiences. I've had some great 3D experiences uh, since this movie came out, and Cameron is instrumental in in taking it from the, the schlockiness and making it something that can truly enhance uh, a film. And as employed in this picture, it's hard to argue that he didn't put it to fine use here. And I'm not upset at all that this is the movie that introduced us to this form. 
Very good. This was an interesting movie to rule on. I feel like I could have gone either way. It's interesting that uh, the defense rested a lot of it on the 3D experience of it. And, and while I appreciate that, it was a, a truly an experience. However, I am never moved to revisit this movie. And uh, I'm siding with the prosecution in this case. And not only because of the movie itself, but because one of the things that really upsets me is the fact that James Cameron, who is one of my favorite filmmakers, due to the success of this movie, has decided to spend the next 10 years of his life in Pandora making nothing but Avatar movies. Well, he is working on a 3D version of Long Day's Journey into Night, um, but uh, I think that got shelved. I am not looking forward to going back to Pandora. I feel like I've been there. Uh, I don't want to necessarily go back. So for those reasons, I am siding with the prosecution. I'm going to put avatar in prison but the cell will be covered in foliage and 3d uh amoebas or 3d i think this film should be shit. punished by having to watch this film you should put this movie inside uh, another stolen prison movie like it should live inside of the shawshank redemption and <laughs> you know what it is i'm sentencing this movie to be forced to watch sam worthington movies for the duration of the Oh, story. that's cruel and unusual punishment, Your Honor. Or Jai Courtney, because they're interchangeable people. I, I feel like when we see Cameron like emerge the next time, like he's he's he might be insane. Like he's only speaking Navi. He's, he's identifying as a as a blue man. He's so far into Avatar that we may we may never see him again. I look forward to what movie James James Cameron steals for his uh, Avatar sequel. Your theft argument is is very bizarre to me. That's like being mad at Eric Clapton for. Stealing blues riffs or something. I, I well, don't again, it, it reminds me of the Jinx, where I guess Steve decided this is my this is the case I'm going for. Uh, so we just got to stick with it. We just got to go to the hilt. <laughs> I lean into shit, guys. I, I don't back down. <laughs> All right. So to reiterate, I am finding for the prosecution. Woo-hoo! If the jury slash audience would like to disagree with me, feel free to email us at themoviecourt at gmail dot com or on the Twitter page at themoviecourt. Um, Steve, would you like to plug away? Yes, as you said, I can be reached on the Twitter page at Steven Kruger or on America Online if you have a time machine at <laughs> Steven Kruger's Air American Online. I can be page. reached uh, at Steve Kruger's Twitter page as well. Please please go through <laughs> Steve Kruger to, to, to uh, address any questions to me. Um, I'm at Kyle Bornhammer on Twitter and Kyle Bornhammer 2075 on the Instagramas. Oh, you can also page me at 213-555-1219. You can fax the movie court. Um, just look, at, look, I don't know the number offhand, just look it up in the yellow pages, and uh, you can fax us at your at your leisure. Our BBS site is uh, 917-222-3153. Just dial in on a 28-baud modem. You can visit us at Movie Court, uh, downtown Los Angeles, in the City Hall building. Uh, you can also nominate movies to bring into this courtroom if you'd like. And this court is adjourned. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you.